Hi, welcome to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and today we're talking to Eric Idis, CEO and co-founder of Pup Pod, a new and very smart smart toy that exercises your dog's brain and happily engages his mind while you're away from home. Eric has over 20 years' experience in hardware and software product development and marketing. For the last 10 years, Eric has run a consulting firm he founded that specializes in user experience design and software development for mobile and web apps. Prior to that, he was a core member of the teams that defined the Symbian smartphone operating system at Motorola and the Windows mobile smartphone operating system at Microsoft. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, having me on. Well, okay. How did you go from your background in mobile devices design and user experience to creating a gaming platform that engages dogs' minds the way it does? It challenges them, but it doesn't overface them, and it doesn't lead to boredom. Right. Well, um, when I first saw the uh, Xbox Kinect come out, I thought, why can't a dog play a video game? And that turned out to be a terrible idea uh, (laughs) because dogs don't want to play video games. But it got me thinking about how technology is evolving and that the, the product category of dog products, really, they're not connected to the Internet right now. And with the trends around the Internet of Things bringing the Internet into all kinds of devices that don't have Internet access, it just seemed obvious to me that there was going to be a product category in the future where uh, dog products are going to be connected to the Internet. And for that to happen, we need to have some innovation around the user experience for dogs. And my background has been in user experience design and putting myself in the, in the shoes, or in this case, the paws of my user and trying to design a product that they find intuitive and fun and, and interesting. And so, you know, with mobile apps on your phone, the bar has gone up quite a bit that if the, or on a, you know, a computer app, if the, if the user experience isn't good, then people just go on to the next app because there's so many choices out there. And uh, technologists have gotten really, really, really good at designing user interface for humans. But I didn't think that anybody had really stopped and tried to design a user interface for dogs. And that was what I um, set out to do. And it sounds a little techy, but the question I asked myself was, what would a computer look like if a dog invented it? Um, and that doesn't really have the emotional resonance that we ultimately want to get to, but that's what led me down the path that if a dog was going to invent a computer, and I kind of use computer in air quotes because there's all kinds of things you can do with a computer, you know, what would it look like, what would it do so that a dog could explore and use their mind to explore new things that were, that were interesting. You know, we don't really, a lot of times we don't think of it that way as humans when we use a computer. But there's so many things that we do that are really on a screen and in our mind. And so the screen concept doesn't really apply for dogs, but coming up with a toy that has games and puzzles in the toy that let a dog explore, and when they stumble into the right interaction with the toy, then they get a um, treat that's dispensed. That combination seemed to me like that's, that's probably what a dog would design if they were trying to design a technology product, something where there were these physical rewards. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a treat. It could be a smell. It could be um, we've experimented with, like, bacon-flavored bubbles. 
Uh, there's all kinds of things that could be the rewards. But um, there's this combination of objects they interact with and then rewards they get when they, when as through their exploration, they, um, they stumble in the right uh, state of the technology. And that sounds very techy, but, um, you know, for dog folks, they just call it operant conditioning. And, you know, in the dog community, everybody knows what operant conditioning is and everybody knows what clicker training is. And we're just kind of applying that same approach as clicker training uses, but with technology as opposed to a little, a little plastic clicker. Okay, so PubPod, your product, is really it's a combination of wireless products that combine to create something more than a new smart toy to amuse your dog while you're not home, but something that helps exercise their brain. Sure, let me describe it at a high level. There's a, a toy and then there's a treat dispenser. And for the dog, when they interact with the toy, it sends messages that eventually reach the treat dispenser and then the, the dispenser uh, dispenses treats. And the game gets harder as the dog plays the game, so there's always a new challenge to challenge their mind, to keep them thinking. So for them to keep earning treats, they have to keep using their doggy brain. Oh, so, the, so the, the treat dispenser doesn't just keep dispensing treats using the same... Mo having when the dog makes the same motion with the toy? That's right. There's a series of levels to the game and the game as the dog is playing with the with Pup Pod, then our um, technology can keep track of how the dog's performing and when the dog seems to master the level that they're on, then we can automatically move to the next level. And you know, even in the case that we make a mistake and we move a dog too quickly we can also tell if all of a sudden now we've made it too challenging and we need to, to drop back a level to keep the dog engaged as they're trying to, as they're trying to play with the game. So it's, so it's not too hard, but it's always a challenge. Would you explain how that works? In the toy, there's a motion sensor and an accelerometer. Uh, those are the two sensors that we have right now. We also have a speaker that plays sounds. So there's a series of of at, the, at the different um, levels of the game, well, I'll explain level one to give you an idea. So at level one, the dog just has to approach the toy, and if they trip the motion sensor because they come up to sniff the toy, then a treat will come out of the dispenser. And so really all the dog's trying to learn on level one is the connection between the toy and the dispenser, which isn't obvious to a dog, but they do learn it as they start Every time they get close to the toy, a treat comes out, they start figuring out, hey, every time I go over to this toy, I get a treat. And if the dog touches it with their nose or their paw, you know, or hits the toy, then the accelerometer will also pick up that, will also detect that motion, and again, you get a treat that comes out. So over time, as we start to see the frequency uh, that the dog is going back to the toy, then we can automatically move to the next level so it gets a little bit harder. So just because they've touched the toy or they've triggered the motion sensor once doesn't mean that they've mastered the concept. But by looking at how frequently they, they do keep triggering sensors in the toy, we can figure out, hey, the dog's getting the hang of this because he's coming back and he keeps repeating the behavior. Uh, now we need to ratchet it up and make it a little harder. What kind of testing did you do? We've tested with about 250 dogs, um, mostly in the Seattle area, a little bit in Portland. And you know, it started off with you know, friends of friends that had dogs. We just would set up the pup pod and let their dogs try it out. And then 
we started to get a little more sophisticated, you know, getting people online who were interested and that wanted us to come to their home or to their office. If they had a dog-friendly office, we've tested in some doggy daycare uh, facilities. So uh, we've, we've tested with a pretty wide variety of breeds and ages and um, different, different environments, uh, whether in the home or in a place with maybe more distractions. And what if someone has a dog like Chaser, the dog who knows a thousand words and understands nouns, verbs, and more? Is there a level for such a canine Einstein in your gaming platform? Well, at level five, we, we, we had a, actually we had a pug, Penny the Pug, who mastered the first three levels that we came up with. So we had to create levels four and five uh, for Penny. And at level four, we introduce a second sound. Uh, we call it the no treat sound, just because we don't want it to. We don't want to have any negative connotation. But um, basically, it's a second sound. So the first sound that's introduced at level three gives the dog a treat when they touch the toy when that sound is played. And then at level four, there's this new sound. They have to figure out what does this sound mean. And the way that Chaser has associated words with objects, we're doing the same kind of, we're taking the same approach, but basically tying some meaning to a sound. You know, whether the sound is a word that a human speaks or a a beep or a tone, it really doesn't matter. It's just assigning meaning to a sound. So at level five, the dog has to learn to not touch the toy when the no treat sound is played and to only touch the toy when the treat sound is played. And if they touch the toy when the no treat sound is played, then they just keep getting that, that sound. And then, you know, eventually they're going to start to figure out, hey, this one, one sound gives me treats, and the other sound, I keep, it keeps delaying me from getting the sound that gives me treats. So I need to be patient when I hear the sound that doesn't give me treats, and then when I hear the sound that does, then I go up and touch the toy. And that's a pretty, pretty involved concept. We haven't had a dog totally master that yet, but we've definitely had dogs who are who are learning and thinking you can see their heads kind of turn to the side and you can start to see their behavior adjust as they as they get more experience with that with that level so it's uh it's definitely proving to be a challenge but definitely within the bound of what you know a a dog can pick up what if on the other hand your dog doesn't turn out to be einstein at all well they may be they may be just happy at some of the lower at some of the at the earlier levels of the product Mm-hmm. Uh, that we have right now, and that's fine. You know, the main thing about moving through levels is that there's always a challenge. So if the dog is, is at level two or level three, and that's entertaining, and, that's, and that is still a challenge, then that's great. And there's some little things that we can do. When I describe the product to humans, I don't go into all the details, but we can, at, at uh, the third level, when we play a sound and the dog has to touch the toy when that sound is played in order to get a treat, just by extending the time between the intervals when the sound is played makes the game more complicated and requires more attention and more focus from the dog. So even a dog that's just a level three, they might be getting the sound for the treat every 10 seconds, and then when they start to get really good at that, we can stretch it to every 20 seconds or every 30 seconds. And even that little change creates a new variable that the dog needs to adapt to. Um, and with that said, you know, to answer, to kind of, there's a couple other answers to your question, which are a second answer would be we're going to create a whole bunch of different toys. So that the, the toy that's on our Kickstarter campaign right now is just the first toy in a roadmap. 
and will we come out with other games and and a dog that doesn't maybe doesn't isn't as uh intrigued by the first toy we've come out with might really like the next game we come out with and so we're going to keep trying to come out with different different games that can be added to the platform one thing that's important for um maybe your listeners understand is that you're really investing in a platform that's expandable so when you yeah i was going to ask if this was scalable and, and certainly you've done a really good job explaining just exactly how scalable it is. Yeah, kind of a good analogy would be like when you buy an Xbox, you don't buy it just to play one game. You expect that you can mm-hmm. put all kinds of different games in there. And not everybody's going to like the same games. Not everybody likes a driving game or a golf game or a or a shooting game. You know, there's all kinds of different game genres for different personalities and different preferences. And I, we we believe the same thing is going to exist for dogs that as you get into the segmentation of different ages of dogs and different breeds and different personalities that will come out with different games that the dogs interact with in different ways that um, hopefully appeal to different uh, to different dog personalities and different breeds so that um, over time we can add you know so part of our vision is that we can even add games that may help you know your normal dog that's someone's pet learn some behaviors that could be attributed to a, a service dog. And they may not be as qualified as a dog that gets all of the training and attention that a service dog gets, but you know they can still learn to turn on light switches for someone who might be elderly, or they can, we can come up with games that teach puppies to pee on a pee pad and help them get potty trained. So there's all kinds of, of games that we can add to the platform that can apply for different situations. But then the investment that the, that the humans made in PupPod is that all of the analytics and the camera that streams video to your phone and the, um, and the dispenser that's dispensing the rewards, all of that stuff is reusable and you know, is uh, leveraged when you add a new toy or a new game to PupPod. So this is really an investment in the continuing mental and physical health for your dog. It is, it is, and we're going to come out with, a, as I mentioned, a series of different products that uh, are different games that can be added and to extend PupPod so that for the life of the dog, um, as they go through different stages or as they, as they master one game, they can try another game, and it's really meant to be uh, something that a dog, once they start to learn some of the basics, they build on that foundation and have tons of fun, and their brain's always active, and we turn uh, mealtime into an active time uh, with, with PubPod. So there's the platform component to it so that it is an investment. Uh, but one other thing that's important to, to mention is that you don't have to put treats in a treat dispenser. You could just put normal a normal meal in there so that you turn meal time into uh, an activity and the dogs, rather than eating out of a bowl, they're, being, they're eating slower and they're being more active throughout that throughout meal time and having to use their mind to to figure out the game. I like to forage and, um, you know, with the, the we're in our, um, the version of the pot that's available on Kickstarter now, we've been uh, in a really close partnership with um, the folks that make the Pet Tutor at Smart Animal Training Systems. Mm-hmm. And one of the really handy things about their product is you can mount the feeder into the, into the stand in a way that lets the treats come out of a chute. So that if you put the treat dispenser 
on like a counter or a or a shelf or even mm-hmm. on top of the refrigerator. You've got a really big dog that you know uh, that could get to the treat dispenser. Um, now when the treats come out of the chute, then uh, they hit the floor, and now the dogs have to sniff around on the floor to find the treats, and then they go back to the toy, and it's really there's a lot of activity uh, for the dogs, both mentally and um, and physically, to eat their meal. And that's great for dogs who are notorious for knocking things down. That's right. It's, it is a handy way to be able to, to move the food source away from where they can get access to it, but the toy is what they need to interact with, um, and so it's a, it's a good combination. Yeah, and you know, you're offering data on how your dog does each time they engage with Pup Pod. That's right. So there's, there's so much going on now about how dogs think and outcomes of exercising the brain, not only for lifelong physical and mental health, but how it changes the brain. Um, besides helping pet parents understand their dog's learning potential, what other applications then uh, are there for this type of data? I should think somebody would be doing research and would welcome this. Yeah, this, this is a great topic that you, that you took us into because we uh, had a conversation with a gentleman named Ken McCourt mm-hmm. who's working with, um, he's been working with training all kinds of animals and done, and done some extensive training with wolves um, over, the, over the last 25 years. And one of his comments was that uh, when, a, when a dog is having to do the kind of thinking that's required to interact with a puzzle and find the treats that are on the floor and they're sniffing around, it requires them to use their frontal cortex in the mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. The, their brain will store a certain amount of fuel to power the frontal cortex. You know, it's like glucose and other chemicals that are in the brain. Right. And the more they use that part of the brain, the more the brain keeps running out of fuel, the brain starts saying, hey, I need to store more, more fuel because we keep, we keep hitting empty. And then, you know, when you hit empty, the dog wants to just go take a, a nap and recharge. But um, with a product like Pup Pod, the theory is that their brain will actually get stronger, like a muscle that's exercised. And the, and the extra chemicals and fuel that the brain starts to store so that it can drive the frontal cortex has um, other implications so that when you are training with your dog or working with your dog or playing with your dog in person, they'll hopefully have a longer attention span because they just don't run out of fuel as fast. If there are... Uh, Folks, if your listeners uh, are involved in canine research, um, either at universities or private institutions, we'd really love to engage with them because um, what we're building with PubPod could be a research platform for them to conduct research tests. They just never had the right equipment and the right software analysis in place. One example of how this can really impact research and have have be an incredible tool is that we're, because the Pup Pod Hub has this video camera as part of that piece of, the, of, the, of that component of the product, um, and it streams the video back to you know, the servers where we, can, where we can analyze that, it um, allows us to send video to a pet parent's phone so they can just watch their dog play. But because the video is also synchronized with the dog playing with the toy and the dispenser, all of that data is combined so that we can show someone really quickly, hey, here's a point in the video when your dog had a breakthrough. Just watch that clip. You don't have to watch you know, hours of video to see the part where a really significant behavior took place. And so we're making that available to pet parents because it's cool and it's fun, 
But that same feature and that same technology could be really powerful for researchers who want to run huge research experiments and then find, oh, here's the point in the video where this thing occurred that we're really trying to, to understand. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I, those, I those was too. Well, you know, for the, for the, again, kind of making the technology really accessible to the pet parent as a consumer, we'll be able to show them, you know, how your dog's progressing on the success rate for getting from level to level and, you know, how many successful attempts they had, how many unsuccessful attempts they may have had, how many treats they're consuming, what's the ratio of, you know, we can analyze different times of day and, and the ratio of success versus treats. And there's just all kinds of, of analytics that we can pull out of this. And, but that same capability, we can work with researchers to structure tests where we just program the software and the toy to work in a certain way so that it is, um, it's allowing the researcher to conduct their test, but then leverage all of the software and analytics that we, that we build in the back end to give them, you know, reports and uh, let them manipulate the data to see things really, really quickly. And I think that will be a powerful, powerful tool. And then hopefully the, the output of those research projects will then fold back into new toys that we make in the exactly. project. Yeah, yeah. So that's a virtuous cycle, isn't it? Collaborate with the researchers to figure out, hey, when we come on to something new and there's a breakthrough, then how do we just turn that back into a toy that... that that dogs have fun with. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting research going on now um, with how dogs are thinking. Mm-hmm. And this is just uh, a real. This is a. This is the a product to kind of go hand in glove with some of that research. So, how did you uh, team up with Kong and Pet Tutor as part of your project? Well, um, both of them were just from as we started to explore the, this idea. We looked for some off-the-shelf parts that we could leverage or off-the-shelf components that we could leverage so that we could move faster. Because trying to build everything from scratch is, uh, well, even what we've built so far, it's amazing how far we've gone in a year. But, you know, being able to leverage the Kong Wobbler, that was just an ideal housing to put the, the toy in and to experiment with because of its, of its durability and it unscrews so it's really easy for us to to get to all the components and make changes and then go do another test. Um, and then Kong saw what we were doing and they thought, hey, this is pretty interesting. We want to we wanna support these guys. So we've got a great relationship with Kong and um, with the pet tutor folks, you know, trying to, to build a dispenser from scratch is, uh, you know, we started thinking about that and looking into it and just, it was overwhelming. What, what the pet tutor folks have done is amazing. They built I, I, I agree. I love that product. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of time and investment and research that's gone into that product. And rather than try to recreate that, you know, there's, there's no sense in uh, recreating the wheel. You know, it's the same. Exactly. So mm-hmm. We um, just decided it was best to partner with them, and they also, um, we know, as we told them about our vision, they have a similar vision in terms of remote access and software uh, to connect people remotely with their dogs when their dogs are at home uh, or for trainers to be able to do training remotely. And so I think that they really thought that the software expertise that really was our kind of strength and the being able to connect um, remotely to see your dog was something that they wanted to partner with us because we were, you know, it was really a, a very complimentary um, partnership. And they, and they, we started working with them 
before their pet tutor blew, well, we started talking with them about how we would connect to the dispenser, and it just kind of serendipitously turned out that um, the Bluetooth connection that we were thinking of, they were also thinking of, so there was a lot of alignment there, and we were actually one of their early beta testers with a Bluetooth version of the pet tutor um, so that we could, you know, keep working through the rest of the technology that we were working on. It's been a great, it's been a great um, partnership, and they're super supportive. We definitely wouldn't be where we're at right now if it wasn't for the support from Wes and Amanda uh, at Smart Animal Training Systems, who makes the, they do the maker of the pet tutor. So you've got an app for smartphones or desktops and the HD live streaming camera. And I started laughing when I thought, you can play computer games with your dog when you're not home. <laughs> and I was like, what a great time to be a dog. <laughs> From the dog's perspective, yeah. they're with the toy and they're getting treats. Yeah, uh, exactly. And they're having fun, too. And they're having fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's like just yesterday we were, um, we're actually doing um, some testing with some dogs. And there was a five-month-old corgi uh, named Bolt. And he, we had tested with him one other time, a really short test, maybe five or ten minutes tops. And he came back in, and there were uh, we were doing a, a shoot for the Discovery Channel that they were there. They did a um, interview with us yesterday, and uh, there must have been six people, six totally new, strange people in the area, and uh, along with a cameraman who's you know sticking the camera in the dog's face, and there's you know big bright lights to light up the light up the space. And all Bull, as soon as he hit his legs hit the floor, all he wanted to do was go run up and uh, and and nose the Kong, uh, the modified Kong that we're using in, in the pup pod, and then go get his treats. You know, and he and he could care less about all the other people and distractions that were going on. <laughs> so it's it's really fun and it's cute when you see just these cute little dogs. Just uh, well, they're all cute and 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 see them interacting and having fun, and their little head kind of cocks to the side as they're you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. It's, it's, it's yeah, and you can see their dog brains working. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, Eric, what do you think makes Pup Pod different from other smart toys out there? One thing that really differentiates Pup Pod from other products that are trying to, to build products for this category of Internet-connected dog things mm -hmm. um, is that a lot of these other companies think are really trying to design products for humans so that you can see your dog remotely and you can hit a button and a treat pops out but what's really in it for the dog I mean yes there's they get a treat but yeah it doesn't they eat their treat they stop they stop short and yeah. it's over so what yeah what really differentiates our approach is that we're really thinking about this from the dog's perspective first mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily Dogs, unfortunately, don't have much money to go out and buy products, so we then have to appeal to the humans, too. But um, we really came at this from the dog first. And when you asked your question about how did you get from user experience design background to inventing a dog product, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the connection, is that the dog is, the, is really the user. So you've got a Kickstarter going on right now. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about that uh, briefly and uh, the address. Sure. Um, Probably the easiest way to find it is if you just go to, to kickstarter.com and type in PupPod, P-U-P-P-O-D, uh, and then our campaign will come up. It's the only thing that comes up if you type in PupPod. Um, uh, you can also get to it from our, our website. Uh, so if you go to puppod.com, there's a link at the top of the, the page to go to the Kickstarter. 
And then on the Kickstarter, we've got um, a couple of uh, reward levels where people can contribute if they just want to support us or maybe they don't have a dog, but they want to. Uh, we have a, a $25 reward level where um, when we get enough money at that level, we can donate some pup pods to some shelters. So that's kind of fun and exciting to be able to see a pup pod go into a shelter where the dogs don't really you know, get a lot of chance to play. So the being able to have some enrichment is a big deal for them. But then for folks that would like a pup pod, there are basically two different ways you can you can order it. You can either get it with a dispenser or without a dispenser. So if you already have a a pet tutor blue, then there's no need to to buy the dispenser again. You can use the pup pod with your existing dispenser, especially if it's the blue as long as it's the Bluetooth version. Uh, and if it's not, the um, the pet tutor folks have a program where you can upgrade your dispenser so it has Bluetooth in there because that's how we have to um, send messages to the dispenser. Right. And if you uh, if you need everything, then we also have a bundle where you can get pup pod and with the dispenser, and we you know we deliver everything you need out of the box. Yeah, we make it simple. Uh, could you share your web address and Facebook information? Sure. Our, our website is www.puppod.com, so that's P-U-P-P-O-D.com. And on Facebook, we're just facebook.com slash puppod. Thank you for creating something that helps unlock pathways to learning for our dogs, uh, because I think that's really going to do nothing but strengthen the bond between people and their dogs. And for taking the time to be with us today, Eric, I wish you all success with Puppod and your Kickstarter. Well, thank you very much, Mary. I appreciate having us on. Thank you. And to the audience, thanks for listening.